Welcome to the Unconventional Path, entrepreneurship and innovation stories and ideas. Hello, I'm Bala Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. Today, we are excited to be joined by Joe Hagen. Joe is an entrepreneur that owns Offshore Adventure Sailing. This is a business that takes people out on ocean sailing trips. It's a way of spending multiple days on a sailboat out in the ocean. And this is a great example of a lifestyle or hobby business. It's not his primary stream of income, but it is a way of doing what you love and building a little bit of income around it. Okay, Bela, I'm excited. This is a great story and a really interesting person. And it's, it's uh, you know, you and I both love these stories of, of kind of people who uh, find a way to do something they love and to kind of fund a hobby and make a little money on the side, but they're not doing it to make, you know, $100 million and uh, and, and, and take a cash out and an exit and, uh, and retire. This is, uh, these are stories of people who I think take some risk. And, uh, like in this case, it takes a little capital and a little bit of guts, uh, but it's a great story. So I think, uh, I think we'll like it. So with that, um, let's get right to it and, and give your interview, uh, with, uh, Joe Hagan a listen. Hello, listeners. Bala Musitz here. Uh, today I have a great guest, Joe Hagan, and he has a very interesting business. As our frequent listeners will know, we try to have guests on the show that have businesses that we can all sort of aspire to and all do, uh, not businesses that require a $10 million investment from a venture capitalist, uh, but one that you can probably start on your own. And even better yet, in Joe's case, a business where he blends his passion into his business. So welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for agreeing to being on the show. So, uh, tell us a little bit about the business. What is it, Joe? So, offshore adventure sailing is uh, my little venture to offer people an opportunity to get offshore sailing experience. It's something that leverages my own interests, passions, my hobby, so to speak, of uh, sailing. And in some ways, it's kind of an embodiment of what I've aspired to do uh, all my life while I was working like a real job. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the earlier part of your life. You're retired now. I think uh, yes. you, you, you mentioned that to me off the air. And uh, so what did you do in sort of uh, your pre-retirement years? So... I was, um, my work involved the financial services industry in one way or another. I was a banker. I did operations work. I did management consulting for banks. Um, and the last 20 years was marketing related and marketing research related, again, for banks. Um, I should, I should add though that, um, before you jump to any conclusions, I'll tell you that no bank ever took any advice from me, so don't blame me. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that before, but it's 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 a great way of great way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, I have a love hate relationship with banks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Necessary but uh, challenging at the same time. 
so uh, you so you spent most of your career in sort of corporate America or in consulting, yeah. sort of kind of working the the typical thing, and then you retired. So what was yeah. the what was the impetus to sort of say, you know what? Because uh, you're retired, you could you could just you and your wife could just sail, right? But you decided yeah. to take on this additional challenge, this additional. Uh, burden, if you will, of of taking strangers out on your boat <laughs> for for yeah, you know it's it's not a it's not a burden for me. Um, so when I retired, um, my wife and I took off sailing, and the intent originally was to go off for a year and sail wherever the wind took us, which was the uh, Western Caribbean mostly. Um, and then we came back and, uh, after our year turned into a year and a half, but we did come back and the intent originally was, you know, let's go get real jobs again. And I spent maybe a month or so pretending to try to get a job, but I mean, I just really didn't have my heart in it. And I think everybody else could see that. And, um, you know, when you go spend a year and a half outside of the working world and you see new cultures and you see new activities, you really do. It really does change the way you think about things. Um, and so uh, I found myself spending my uh, idle hours dreaming about sailing some more. Now, at the time, my wife had uh, uh, a mother who required some attention, who was not in perfect health, and so she couldn't really get away. We couldn't go sailing again, um, and so I uh, started thinking about sailing and how was I going to do that and how was I going to you know, get crew and I became aware of other people who are doing this sort of thing. There are other companies who do this much bigger and, and uh, um, long tenured than me. Uh, but it sparked the idea and I started digging into it. And before I knew it, I had a little company, I had a little website. I had uh, people telling me they wanted to go sailing with me. And off we go. So that's how we got started. Yeah, very nice, very nice. So, um, you know, some people are very methodical about these things, right? So before they start, they they do an Excel spreadsheet, they do all sorts of projections, you know, hundred page business plan, et cetera. Other people just dive in. So, yeah. what, what what's what was your approach? All of my training and education and experience taught me to be met- methodical. I didn't do that though. I really just dived in, dove in, and uh, honestly, I had the advantage of not, it didn't have to be a big financial success. Um, in fact, you know, my financial objectives were quite modest, um, and I really wanted to have a good time. I really genuinely wanted to share the experience. I love sharing the experience with other people. Um, and so I, you know, my preparation for starting this really just involved um, researching what the requirements were from the, from for the boat and for my own credentials. 
um, and you know, getting the boat in proper uh, shape for this sort of thing and diving in. So yeah. So once you decided to do this, uh, what was what was sort of how do you get started? Right. I mean, you talked about getting the boat right. Right. You're sort of that's all prep work, right? And and, yeah. and you often hear about people doing all sorts of prep work to start a business and thinking about it and getting credentials and doing all these things, but never actually starting the business. So at some point you actually had to say, okay, here's my phone number. Call me if, if you want to go on a trip. Right. Yeah. I was, I was lucky in that I, uh, you know, my social circle involves a yacht club and many people who are, uh, sailors. Um, and, I started talking it up. It was just word of mouth. And before I knew it, I had uh, people who were saying, well, if you do that, I'd be interested in joining you. I did, uh, before I started, I I did a uh, series of trips. I did a trip one spring. I sailed from New Orleans to Panama City, and then from Panama City to Key West, and then from Key West back to New Orleans. And I invited people that I uh, knew uh, to join me at, you know, no cost, of course. Um, And it was just to sort of work out my protocols, my processes for how do you run uh, a, a trip for paying crew. So I did the provisioning. It wasn't like Normally, if you just have a bunch of friends, you know, you get together, you go to the grocery store together, you buy a bunch of beer, you get on a boat, you sail away. Well, you can't really do that when when you're having paid guests. So I had to sort of work through all that. I had to make sure my safety protocols were good. And um, but after after that spring, by the fall, people were coming to me and saying, well, if you're going to do this, you know, as a business, I'm interested. And so it took off from there. Yeah, yeah. My, my first year was almost all uh, word of mouth. So th- there's two interesting points there. I think that you made. Number one is you figured out a way to beta test your your product, exactly. right? Which yeah. which is challenging for in what you do. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. So you said, okay, let me just take some friends who are going to be a little more forgiving if I screw up, uh, maybe yeah. don't get everything perfect, uh, and it gives you an opportunity, a chance to work out your processes and procedures. So right. so that's great. Because that's, I think that's really important in business, right? It's important to sure. sort, of, sort of make sure you have your act together before yeah. you do the unveiling, so to speak. And right. number two, uh, very often in, in these small entrepreneurial businesses, friends and family are your first customers, right? Yeah. And, it's, and it's your network that you can reach out to. And, and usually they'll give you a good, honest feedback, maybe not from your mom <laughs> or your dad, but most of the times they'll give you a good, honest feedback, which is another important element, right? So yeah. uh, immediately you sort of feel some success, you get some success, you, you grow your network. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So what was, what was sort of your, your if reflecting back on it, what was your sort of biggest challenge? Well, I had to... Um I knew that there was a limited universe of uh, friends who were going to pay me to take them sailing. In fact, some people just absolutely are not going to pay anybody to go sailing, right. you know? Right. Um, 
so the question became, well, how do I expand the universe of potential customers? Um, and I had no experience in social media marketing, but I, uh, somebody, you know, whispered in my ear that that's really what you got to do. And I sort of devoted myself to learning what I could. And I got a website built and I started Facebook for the first time with a offshore adventure sailing uh, page and an Instagram account. I started posting pictures of, you know, uh, my boat and out sailing. And that sort of, you know, started to develop a uh, list of prospects that way. So, yeah, I, I, th I think it's interesting you bring that up because um, I think today, if somebody hears about a business or a new business or something they're interested in, I don't know about you, but the first thing I do is I go look for their website. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, so there's these necessary, necessary baseline uh, things that you need to have if you want to enter any business. Uh, yes. Otherwise, you just have no credibility, right? People go in. They don't even have a website. I mean, this really sounds sketchy to me, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. I mean, you could get away with that 25 years ago, but not certainly right. not now. Not yeah. certainly not now. So there are other people who are in this business, right? So yeah. Some of them are fairly well known in the in the ski in the, or the ski the sailing industry. Absolutely. So, so how do you? What's sort of your niche? How do you compete as an entrepreneur? How do you think about that? How do I elbow my way into this, or does just demand exceed supply right now, and you don't have to worry about that? Well, I don't think of it as competing. I think of it, I mean, because there's there's a handful of companies. There's not there's not many, but there's a, a number. I'm 59 North. You interviewed Andy Shell, I think. Uh, there's Morse Alpha. There's Sail Libra. I mean, there's a number of really good companies doing the same sort of thing and have been doing it for a while, and I wish them the very best. So I, I don't really feel like I'm trying to take customers away from them. What I feel like I need to do from a marketing standpoint is not so much differentiate offshore adventure sailing, uh, but simply to uh, promote the sport, promote the experience, get people to think about sailing offshore, make them aware that they can do it, make them uh, begin to think about what it might be like. So I'm promoting offshore sailing. Uh, more than I'm promoting offshore adventure sailing my company. Got it. Got it. And and in many ways, that's that's an approach that one could say Andy Shell takes, right? He's he's got his podcast. Yeah. He's he yeah. sort of has built up himself as an expert and expertise and as almost a personality in the industry. And then yeah. he started sort of taking people out. Right? Exactly. So it was an right. interesting right. interesting progression there. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and uh, do you find, uh, so what are the challenges for you, right? Because in your business, there's going to be a certain number of people who are going to come with you on a five or 10 days, right? And so how do you sort of pick your customers, I'll say? Not, not how do they pick you, but how do you pick them, right? Because that's yeah. just as important, right? So you need to be able to say, no, I don't think this is right for you. You know, 
and give them maybe an alternative suggestion. But so what process do you go through there? Because most people don't think about that when they're in business, right? They'll, they'll, they'll sell their widget to anybody who's willing to give them a credit card number. Right. But you're a little bit different here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good question and a question that often, uh, I, that often comes up. Uh, I do make an effort to have some uh, dialogue with people who express interest about sailing with me. Um, and that involves email communications and ultimately a telephone call. But I, it's been quite interesting in that um, people who express an interest, I mean, they sort of self-select um, I think sociopaths don't have that much interest in spending a week on a sailboat. They got other things to do. And so they don't call me. Um, I, I've just, I, I, to my knowledge, have never had an ax murderer on board. I've had uh, people, every, every single person I have had on board has been an interesting person that I have enjoyed spending time with. And, you know, you, if you have a little interaction, a little dialogue with people, if you, if they understand what to expect and I understand kind of what their backgrounds are and what they're looking for so far, it's worked out pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. You say that because it reminded me of one of the very few things I remember from elementary school. And it was, it was reading a book about Abraham Lincoln. And in this book, there was a story about how Abraham Lincoln uh, before he was president, w- was on the floor of the Senate with a fellow senator. And, and, and the fellow senator pointed out another senator kind of on the other side of the room and said, gee, I think that person on the other side of the room is a real jerk. And Abraham Lincoln said, you know, I agree with you, but I think I need to get to know him better. Yeah. Right? And that's sort of what you're saying is that when, when, yeah. you, when you get to know people, uh, right. oftentimes, uh, you establish that communication, that bond, whatever, and, and, and they, and they just, they're, they're good people. Yeah. I'll tell you another thing about the, I mean, there's, there's sort of a sociologically, it's interesting to me because when you go out sailing, um, together with people, you share an experience, you have an adventure, you work together and you are, you have a bond. And you become friends. I mean, it's almost unavoidable. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, many people have come, well, not many people, but a handful of people have come back and done two, three. One guy's been on four trips, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's kind of a nice benefit yeah. of the experience is that bond that is built between, yeah. uh, you know, among the sailors. Yeah, yeah. There's a, another guest I had on the show, uh, Adirondack, Adirondack Adventures, that does whitewater rafting trips. Yeah, and he does some that are overnight, you know, multiple days. And he said right. the same thing, right? It, you get together, and you're sort of all dependent upon each other. You're all in quote unquote, not to make a pun, the same boat. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And and you know that you know you sort of have to pull your own weight. It's just, it's part of, it's, it's, no one has to say that. It just sort of is understood by everyone here. And he too said, it's sort of self-selecting, right? Like I get a group of people who sort of have a reasonable understanding of what to expect and they want that experience. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, how long has the business been uh, around now, Joe? 
So uh, we're almost three years old. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an accomplishment, right? If you you, you make it, yeah. This past year has been something different for sure. Yeah. So how has how has COVID, as we record this on December thirty first, twenty twenty, how has COVID affected your business? Uh, it is subs- it is significantly uh, curtailed the number of trips we can do. Uh, back in the spring, when lockdowns began, um, I had to cancel a bunch of trips. In fact, I got stuck in the Cayman Islands by myself on the boat with new crew unable to fly in, uh, me unable to fly out. Uh, so this, basically, the spring was shot. The fall season started late, and right now I am uh, deferring trips until April in the hope that, you know, we get past this uh, surge in cases, hospitalizations right now. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think everybody else doing this is having the same issue. Right. Yeah, they sure are. It really has impacted all sorts of... uh... It, all sorts of businesses and things that we can and cannot do anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of ironic because sailing is such a, uh, safe, uh, activity. I mean, you're, um, you're not interacting with crowds of people when you're out on a sailboat. And yet when you have strangers, for lack of a better word, come aboard, I mean, you can't social distance on a sailboat. So it's risky. Yeah. Yeah. So So reflecting back, uh, what's been the biggest surprise to you in starting this business? (laughs) Uh, I was kind of surprised that somebody paid me to go sailing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's, I I mean, that's only partly in jest. I really kind of was, but, uh, it has been such great fun. And, um, I, I mean, my surprises have all been pleasant surprises. Um, I guess if, if I have to come up with sort of a challenge that is perhaps greater than I anticipated, it might be, um, the, (laughs) the costs of maintaining, well-maintaining, a sailboat, um, especially a sailboat that needs to be, you know, very seaworthy, very safe. Um, and I mean, you just can't cut any corners and, um, and mechanically you can't afford to have things fail. There's sort of a myth about sailing that it's inexpensive it is a myth. It's not an inexpensive thing. Uh, it's expensive to keep up a boat in good shape. Uh, so that's sort of been hammered home. And it's not a complete surprise, but um, I've spent a bunch of money on the boat. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I can imagine, you know, I have a sailboat, so I sail and I understand that. But when you're taking paying guests, there's sort of an additional level of responsibility that you feel. Yeah, yeah. And, right. and sort of diligence that you have to maintain uh, in, in sort of maintaining your boat, like you said, and making sure, right? Because you're responsible 
fundamentally you are responsible for these other people's absolutely uh, safety. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I've got to have all the right safety gear. I've got, uh, you know, yeah, the electronics and so forth. Yeah. So, uh, is there a broad spectrum of customers that you get? Are, are there, you know, newbies to sort of sailing and other folks who maybe know as much as you do? So the typical, um, the typical client is a 50-something-year-old male, often professional, who doesn't want to go vacation on the beach with his wife and wants to get something bigger, more exciting, more adventurous. Maybe he's a sailor. Most often he is, um, but hasn't got a lot of offshore sailing experience. Now that said, um, my customers are quite diverse. So, I mean, I've had an 18 year old, I've had a 78 year old, I've had men, women, uh, some, I recently had a woman who is former head of women for sale or a leader in women for sale, but hadn't sailed for 10 years. Um, and you know, it's just all over the place. But like I said, most, most are sort of, uh, middle-aged men. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's important to know your demographic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. So uh, what are your plans uh, as you think about this? You uh, Maintain it as it sort of is? Do you have plans of growing it, uh, expanding more boats, uh, hiring people, or you just want to leave it the way it is and because it's perfect for you? Yeah, you, you know, um, making money is a secondary objective, honestly. And so uh, I am trying to do this, and I will continue to do this as long as it's fun. Um, it supports what um, my wife and I aspire to do, which is to see new places, meet new people, explore uh, new things. And so our aspirations are really about where do we want to go? So we might, you know, we, we talk uh, sometimes after a cocktail or two about, uh, about uh, crossing the Atlantic and uh, things like that. So uh, we'll see, we'll just, we'll, we'll keep doing it. Uh, we'll keep doing what's fun. Yeah. Well that, you know, that's, I think one of the benefits of, uh, you know, there, there seems to be like two, it's a bimodal distribution of people who sort of do these types of sailing adventures, right? There's, there's folks who are in their twenties or thirties, they sell everything they own, you know, they take right. all of their money, they buy a boat and they go off for a year or two. And then they know they got to come back and you know, go back to their, whatever professional lives were for the most part. And some of them figure out how to, how to make a, a living doing that, but uh, sailing, but many, most of them do not. And then there's the other category, which are like you, yourself and, and me retired. Right. And then, yeah. then you sort of dive in head first into sailing, at least for me diving in much more head first than previously, just because I didn't have the time. And, and then all of a sudden sort of that making the income and trying to figure out how to do those things becomes less important. It's a secondary or tertiary type of factor. Yeah. Right. Uh, 
because people right. people always you know pe- some people will will promote one one style versus the other style or one method or one approach versus the other and i think there's room for both and you got to figure out what works for you and i think that's the yeah. beauty of what you do in this business is right yeah. you, you and your wife decide where you want to go you figure out how much time the two of you can have together based upon various things on our life and then you fill in those other pieces with crew. <laughs> exactly. Right. You got it. My wife doesn't really like doing offshore passages. Yeah. She likes the she likes the knocking around, going from one little town to the next little town. Yeah. And which I enjoy too, but I I like getting offshore, and she's happy to go home and tend the garden for a couple of weeks. Right, and then she'll meet you in in Portland, Maine. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. So it works out perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Uh, so is there, is there a question I should have asked you that I haven't about the business? What else would our uh, entrepreneurial listeners want to hear about? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, well, if the question is, is this a good business for someone to get into? I would say not if you're looking to make money. But if you want to follow your passions, you should follow your passions and, uh, you know, the money will follow. <laughs> well, you know, I, I will tell you that I, I typically ask that question at the end of the podcast and many people have given me that same answer, whether they're running a $50 million a year business or whether they're running, uh, I'll call it a hobby business, right? Yeah. They all say the same thing, right? If you follow your passion then it's fun and money will follow. Yeah. Right. And I've been, I've been surprised at how, how true that is. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, Joe, you've been a wonderful guest. So uh, tell our listeners uh, uh, again, your uh, website. And if they, if uh, some of our entrepreneurial listeners want to go sailing and learn more about it, where can they, where can, where can they find you? Yeah. It's the entrepreneurs that have exactly the kind of spirit who might want to go sailing because they're adventurous by nature. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, the website is www.offshoreadventuresailing.com. Very good. And I'll make sure I have that in the show notes. And, and when you made that comment about entrepreneurs, I think one of the other great things that as a, as an entrepreneur that you can learn from going on a trip with you is sort of management skills, right? So yeah. you, ha- you, you, you have to exhibit a lot of things. You have to sort of lead people who may or may not have the necessary skills. You have to figure out how to people to get along because yeah. you know, you're all stuck together for a period of time. You have to be flexible because if the weather changes, right, you got to pivot. You go, okay, we're not going there. We're going here instead, <laughs> right? right? So right. there's a lot of management skills uh, and leadership skills that I think people could can learn from an experience like this as well. It's not just about sailing for, in my eyes. It's about sailing and sort of leadership at the same time. Yeah, I, I, I think that's true. I mean, I don't think of it as management, but, um, but I think you're right. I mean, I think there is something uh, to getting uh, people sort of in the same mindset to accomplish a shared goal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to close the podcast. Thank you very much for being a guest, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it, Bella.
Bela, what a great story. Uh, and, and this was great. It sounds like you guys hit it off on this interview a lot. It sounds like you had some things in common. Um, what was your take on kind of the, 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 the nature of, the, of Joe's story, how he got started, and the viability of the business? So I think the unique part of this, and we've seen several of these in the previous uh, guests that we have interviewed, is this notion of being uh, at a certain point in your life. Uh, for some people, this is when they're 18 or 19. For other people, it's when they're 40 or 50. And for other people, it's when they're 65 or 70. Uh, that you want to change and you want to take something that's your passion, something that you really enjoy doing, and you want to do that uh, on a more full-time, I'll call it, basis. So you think about, okay, so how can I take this thing that I really love doing and, and build a business or build my lifestyle around it? Uh, whether you want to be uh, a ski patroller, you know, and ski a lot in the winter times and make a little income, or whether you want to start your own business uh, like Joe has done here uh, to sort of uh, give him, you know, this opportunity to take people out. And if, and if you listen to the comments that Joe made, he enjoys teaching and, and passing on his skills as much as he does sailing, right? So this is, this is something that combines those two elements and enables him to do it. Uh, there are people who do this in a full-time manner and have, you know, uh, it's their primary income. There's several examples of that out there that you can find those folks on on the internet. Uh, but Joe has sort of done it in on more of a part-time basis. Uh, and I think they're great. I really, I, my hat's off to him. I think these are great opportunities. And, and you know, th- there's another person that I know who is a chef, and uh, for many, many years, he, he worked, you know, at a fine restaurant as a, a sous, sous chef, sous chef, <laughs> a shoe, not a shoe, a sous chef, uh, and then as the executive chef. And he sort of retired from that. And then he, but he loved cooking. So what he did was he opened a kitchen in his house and twice a week, he would have up to six people over and he would cook them dinner. But it was a business, right? People came so it was set up like a dining room. It was, it was a commercial business. So it still enabled him to cook and do the things that he wanted. Uh, he had a great personality, so he was sort of interacting and entertaining his guests at the same time. And if you think about it, that's a lot of things that Joe has to be able to do, right? Because he sort of is in the entertainment business. He's in the education business. He's stuck on a boat with three or four other people for several days, uh, sometimes seven, eight, nine, ten days. And so, so there's a lot of skills involved. So it's a way for him to hone those skills. It's a way for him to, I think, have a good time. And it's a way to help educate folks and give people an experience that's valuable. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, it gives, it gives people fulfillment to do these things. It gives their life some meaning. And it's a, you know, we talk about value a lot, right? But it's something that he, I think Joe values um, these experiences. So I do think it's a way, entrepreneurship can be a way for people to, become more fulfilled in their life, to give their life some meaning value, especially maybe they had kids and the kids are grown and out of the house, um, or maybe they've retired, or maybe they don't find the meaning in their work that they once found, and they're just doing it for a paycheck. And I think you and I have talked about this before, I know uh, off the air a lot, but life is short and you don't know when your last day is going to be. And it's nice to do things where you feel like, yeah, that was worthwhile. And this is a great example of that. You know, you have to work things out, right? He's got this kind of thing where, okay, he boats with his wife, but then when he has clients, he doesn't do it with his wife. It's got to fit, you know, put the lifestyle and lifestyle business, right? It's got to fit and balance 
what you and if you have a partner, what what uh, your partner wants out of this. And in order to be successful, it really is a lot of moving parts, right? There's the financial piece, which this was great, right? Joe's like, okay, it's not about making a big profit. I just want to kind of cover my costs. And the costs are, as he said, you know, buying a sailboat, as you know, is a big investment and there's maintenance and uh, a lot of, it's a labor of love. I think most of my friends who are sailors would say, Um, but there's a financial component. There's this kind of um, fulfillment or value component uh, and then there's just the practical component of making it uh, something that's aligned with your with the rest of your life. And so I think if you have those three things, you can make a lifestyle business work. And I think Joe has all three of those. Something that gives him, um, you know, his life meaning and, and it's his passion. Um, there's a financial aspect to it, although just to kind of cover the costs. Um, and it fits with the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, as you were saying that, it, it made me think about twisting this a little bit in sort of a little different way. <clears throat> from this perspective, you know, if, if you have an interest or a passion in something, um, but you're not at a point in your life where you can leave your job, oftentimes these types of businesses are a way of sort of testing the waters, right? Joe, Joe can do two trips a year or he can do a trip every week, right? It, it, he can scale it to whatever he wants. So there are a lot of businesses where you can sort of try this out see how it works while you're still doing your normal full-time gig, mm-hmm. right? And it gives you an opportunity to test the waters. Do I really going to, am I really going to like this? Am I really going to want to do this? Uh, and do I want to do it full-time? Do I want to do a part-time? Do I want to just make it a hobby? Uh, I think these are great sort of opportunities to do those types of things, right? For certain businesses, that model doesn't work, right? Because you need to go raise money from venture capitalists. They want you in headfirst in the pool. You know, they're not going to want to, have you doing something part-time. But if you're funding it yourself, you're, you're doing some business like this, uh, I think it's a great way to sort of check it out and, and sort of ease into it and phase into it, right? Uh, and here again, we've had lots of examples of, not lots, but we've had multiple examples of people who have done it this way. Uh, you know, the, the fellow that we uh, interviewed who roasts coffee beans, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to him actually last week and he bought a new roaster. His business is really doing great, but that sort of started out as a very small little cottage industry type of business uh, while he was doing other things. And now it's sort of grown and grown and become a bigger and more important part of, of, of his income and his life. So I think this is, these are great for that type of thing. Yeah. This idea of looking at ideas when they're flexible and scalable so that you can dip a toe in. Now, you have to look at the investment and if you're not willing to go all in and head first into the pool, as you said, you need to be prepared that the money that you put in, right, you can lose, right? If there's a no second best use of the asset that you bought. So it's kind of when you think about flexibility and scalability, think about the assets that you have to buy. Is it something that's asset light where you can do it, you know, like the cooking, you know, anything with food, right? You can get access now to commercial kitchen. So it's pretty easy to, without a lot of fixed costs, uh, get into a small food business, let's say. Okay. But if you need right. to build a commercial kitchen, now that's a, a different story. Okay. So I think you have to look at the amount of assets uh, that you need. And, or at the very least, if it's something that you have to buy, like a coffee roaster, that there's a used market, you can sell it, right? If you, if you decide it's not for you. So there's a little more complexity underneath the surface, but not, not much and not bad. I think that any, anybody who, uh, who can use a spreadsheet and can do a little bit of work can kind of figure out um, is the, this idea something that has uh, the flexibility and the scalability so that I can control my time and that from the financial side, 
I'm not taking such a risk that if I don't like it or it doesn't work, that I'm going to take a big financial hit uh, that will be difficult to, reco- to, uh, you know, to recover from. Right, right. Those are all great points, Mike. And I, and I think the piece I'd like to add to that is this notion of uh, these are this enables you to do it, right? If, if you're looking at a business where you need to raise 10 million bucks, if you don't raise 10 million bucks, you don't have the business, mm-hmm. right? But these types of businesses are sort of in your control, right? If, if you have the assets to do it, then it's an actionable step. You can do it. You can try it and see how it works. It puts, it puts all the cards, if you will, in your hand, right? So that you can actually build the business and you're not dependent upon others to sort of finance your, your endeavor. Uh, and I think the other interesting point you made, the good point you made is, is the assets that you buy in this case, Joe, a sailboat, right? There is a used market for that. You can sell it. You're not going to make money, but it, but you're not going to you're not it's not going to return zero. <laughs> you can get some of your investment back if you decide that after a number of years you don't want to do it anymore or whatever. Uh, so I think I think these are really set up for that and and there are thing these are things that entrepreneurs should consider more often and that I think entrepreneurs uh, should do more often and it's a way to hone your skills as well. It's to it's to kind of develop those entrepreneurial skills. Yeah, but it's not life or death either if it fails, right? A lot of people, rightfully so, are afraid of failure that it's going to ruin them financially or or take an emotional toll. And there's something to that. But if you create these little experiments, you know, kind of these little entrepreneurial experiments that can grow into something bigger like what Joe's got, there's very little risk. So I think this is a neat way to look at it, Bela. And again, uh, I thought the interview was great. You guys really hit it off and it was fun to listen to you. Uh, to you two go back and forth. So I hope it was as much fun uh, recording it as it was uh, for us to listen to it. Yep, it sure was. What do you say? We wrap this one up? Let's wrap it up. Listeners, thanks for joining us today. We hope that you found this episode interesting and thought-provoking like we did. Uh, If you've got questions about what we discussed today, always feel free to get in touch with us. We're happy to get emails and we respond to everyone. Our email is bela.and.mike at gmail.com. And hey, we love to have you subscribe to the podcast. It's really easy. In your favorite podcasting app, just hit subscribe. And then every time we issue a new episode, you'll get notification of it. And if you really like the podcast, tell your friends or write us a review. Hey, Mike, saying goodbye from upstate New York where it's cold and snow on the ground. We'll see you soon. Great, Bella, from over here in Münster, Germany, where the, the sun is not out, but it's not very cold. Uh, So I'm not going to complain, but I hope that uh, you stay healthy and happy and we'll see you again real soon. Bye.